Thompson. And those were the crystalline vocal stylings of Dr. Drew Pinsky on The Masked Singer, Media Darling, and board certified addiction medicine specialist, mm-hmm. right, Busy? Mm-hmm. And former host, infamously, of Loveline, mm-hmm. the late 90s, early 2000s call in love advice radio show that he co-hosted with comedian Adam Carolla that we did one of our first episodes about. And we recorded it back in 2019. Loveline was an obsession of ours. And then when we launched the first season of Tell Me About Your Father, it became one of our most listened to, most talked about episodes. So we thought we'd revisit and see what is the latest with those two men. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we recorded it a few months before the pandemic hit. The show Loveline that was immensely formative for me as a teen in the 90s, I listened to it religiously at night. And much of what we cover in the show that you'll hear after this is us being dismayed at some of the things that were said over and over again to almost always girls about their trauma and the callous ways that they were treated. Because Dr. Drew was our equivalent back then, as I guess a Dr. Oz is now, a doctor with a real medical background who somehow got himself a TV agent Mm -hmm. and just became known for always doing shows with famous people. Like later, Celebrity Rehab was a show that was kind of a spinoff of Loveline where Dr. Drew uses his addiction medicine specialty Mm -hmm. um, to show celebrities getting sober and trying to stay sober. And that show has a terrible history of, unfortunately, five deaths of its former contestants. I'm using the word contestants in quotes. So Dr. Drew in 2019... We just heard start on The Masked Singer, still getting praise for being someone famous. Some of the panelists thought maybe it was Howard Stern behind that eagle costume. Mm. In February and March of last year, when the coronavirus was brand new, we were all in lockdown. 
Dr. Drew in various podcasts and television appearances called COVID-19, quote, way less serious than influenza. He referred to it as a press-induced panic and said the flu virus in this country is vastly more consequential and compared the probability of dying from the disease to being hit by an asteroid. So there was a huge public outcry at that time, and he quickly, after, you know, Fauci and others were like, what are you doing? April 2020. Emily Yar in the Washington Post did a piece, Pinsky said, in an email to the Washington Post. He said, quote, my early comments about equating coronavirus with influenza were wrong. They were incorrect. It was part of a chorus that was saying that we were wrong. And I want to apologize for that. I wish I got it right, but I got it wrong. He added that he didn't fully understand the virus's veracity and his comparing influenza and coronavirus statistics was based on, quote, loser think, a term coined by Dilbert creator Scott Adams referring to sneaky mental habits trapping victims in their own bubbles of reality. Hmm. I value and cherish his, his listeners and fans and their respect making the fact that they felt disappointed that much more painful. My goal has always been to simply find ways to use media to do good. Having learned from my error, I humbly hope that I may continue to look for opportunities to do so. Seven months after that quote, he contracted (laughs) (laughs) COVID-19. Like last December, basically for New Year's, he was he was holed up. I just always go back to the New York Times profile in 2008 that noted his easygoing, non-judgmental manner is the thing that won over listeners and dubbed him the Gen X answer to Dr. Ruth with an AIDS era pro safe sex message. How did we get here? Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny when we went back and listened to the old audio that we're going to play after this, we were struck by how actually incredibly judgmental he is in his, very in his advice. He's very exasperated, frustrated. Adam Kroll is to his co-host. And, you know, I think night after night of dealing with teenagers who don't have access to therapy or sex education or a willingness to possibly look at themselves or young adults – that I imagine it would get pretty frustrating, but the simmering <laughs> anger and and just right. kind of um, resentment that you hear in the voice of Drew, a, a literal doctor, and then Adam Carolla and these clips that we're going to play are pretty amazing and disturbing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, to the, the point of comparing him to Dr. Ruth, like, there wasn't a lot of access, like the social media didn't exist. Or the internet was not easily, which is why you were calling a, a hotline, yeah, it, basically, he, a radio He show. really was an important source for people, I think, at that time. And I listened to Loveline religiously, religiously right. as a kid. The genesis of this show is your memoir and at your book launch party. You invited me to read something about my own father who passed away a few years ago. And in this piece that I wrote, I talked about how listening to Loveline as a teenager in my bedroom at home on the alternative station, 106.3 The Edge in Phoenix, Arizona, when Drew and Adam would get these calls, almost always from young women saying, 
I'm attracted to a guy who is abusive or who is older than me or I'm not ready to do this or this thing happened to me and it made me feel icky. Like, why? Why did it make you feel icky? Right. They did this thing where if girls called in and again, I say girls because the majority of people listening to this show were children girls would call in and if they had even a little bit of a baby voice or a higher voice immediately drew would say where's dad if i'm calling in like with a question he would say elizabeth where's dad first of all where's dad and adam carolla did it too and it was this like sort of like shorthand to get to what was always the sort of like prescription from them was like you're fucked up because of something that your father has done So listening as a teenager, I was like, oh, no, my own father is sort of in like a free fall midlife crisis right now. My parents are getting divorced. I have a baby voice. What does this mean about me? What is wrong with me? And what does this mean for my future? I'm doomed. Because of your relation to another Mm man. And so that's the whole point is that these guys were kind of like playing like dads or older brothers to these young girls and making fun of them all the way. When they really were making fun of them, and you'll hear that later on in the episode, we give a lot of examples of moments where they would make games, they would put girls on hold and guess what their what was the the root cause of the trauma that they were calling about or the issue that they were calling about in a very, you know, cavalier, fun way that usually involved the guests, like they would treat it like a sports bet or something like five dollars on that her dad molested her five dollars on she was abused by stepbrother and one would think that by 2021 would be so far in our past that dr drew wouldn't have been so employed um and that adam carolla what's adam up to these well they're days? extraordinarily employed i mean dr drew as you said still has his own podcast and he frequently makes talking head appearances on fox news shows or, or was doing that more frequently before his covid comments came out adam carolla still has a very successful career he's currently the host of like six different podcasts which is insane to me so he has the adam carolla show which made me laugh because the tagline for it is the number one daily downloaded podcast in the world exclamation point that's the tagline but that is that's not true the adam carolla show is not the number one daily downloaded podcast (laughs) in the world and i was like how funny to just put that on your website like i think the number one show it's not joe rogan but it's like something about murder or whatever like it's not adam it's either joe or murder i looked at apple's um rankings today joe is all the way down the top 100 at 49th place which was shocking to me i thought he would be much higher but adam carolla <laughs> adam carolla the number one daily downloaded podcast in the world was nowhere to be found in the top 100 podcasts on apple that said when i dug a little deeper in may 2011 he became the guinness world record holder for the most downloaded podcast after receiving 59 million unique downloads between march 2009 and march 2011 Good job, I guess, question mark, Adam Carolla. But I just think it's funny that like something that happened 10 years ago 
<laughs> stole your tagline yeah. on your website, the number one daily downloaded podcast in the world, you know, asterisk 10 years ago, 10 years over ago. the course of two years. Well, maybe that's why he has so many podcasts. I think so. This is not to say that he is not, you know, listened to or famous anymore. He certainly has a huge cult following, a huge fan base. He has, uh, as I mentioned, the Adam Carolla show. Then he also has the Adam and Dr. Drew show, which is sort of hmm. a love line adjacent. People call in and ask for advice, but it's not necessarily specifically about sex. It's more like I listened to a bit of an episode last week where someone called in and asked for advice about retirement. That's a lot of people, a lot of people calling and asking about COVID, like that are, you know, COVID truthers, COVID deniers, anti-vaxxers, call in to talk to Drew and Adam about this. That's also because Adam Carolla, who is a self-described libertarian, is also a COVID denier, like Dr. Drew. In September 2020, as the nation is on the brink of hitting 200,000 COVID deaths, Corolla tweeted something saying people had very much overreacted to COVID. Here's the tweet itself. Turns out the people dying from COVID are old and sick or both. How many of you pussies got played? And who's going to get played the next time? Wow. In September 2020, was getting ready to hit 200,000 deaths. Yeah, uh, 150, because when we talked to Kristen Arquiza, was in October, and we were 200,000. Yeah, exactly. 200,000 was about to happen in September. So Adam Carolla, in addition to the Dr. Drew spinoff show that he has, that's the Adam and Dr. Drew show, which is, it's so boring. <laughs> they, had, yeah. they had, I listened to a little bit of when a guy called in to talk to them about a time that John Mayer was on Loveline as being like one of the funniest, most amazing episodes that made him realize that John Mayer isn't a douche. And so, really? yeah. And so I'm like, oh, I, I should listen to this like in preparation for this conversation. And like literally, Aaron, all he does is like say like, yeah, so that made me realize I liked them. And they're like, great. Thanks for calling and hang up. Okay. So at following Adam and Dr. Drew show, Ace on the House, a home improvement podcast. This is always what <laughs> Adam Carolla is currently doing and probably making a, a fuck ton of money doing. Take a Knee, wow. a weekly inspirational and motivational <laughs> podcast in which Adam Carolla interviews executives, inventors, authors, and other pioneers and leaders in their respective fields about how they achieve success Ew. and how you can too. Take a knee, ladies. <laughs> you know what I'm. You know what I'm saying. Take a knee. Ladies. Take a knee. <laughs> um, car cast with Adam Carolla. That's a podcast about cars. Then there's Reasonable sure. Doubt with oh. criminal defense attorney to the stars, Mark Garagos. Mark. Mark, who, who famously said that Chris Brown was really the victim. Garagos is kind of like the, the cuddly, hairier version of Alan Dershowitz. In when it comes to like America's most charming lawyers. Yeah, Dershowitz is utterly charmed his way right onto the Lolita Express, didn't he? Um, yes, Garagos. Who, who is he? Def he's defended Michael Jackson. It's who you call when you need to get someone to get you out, out of here. here out of here fast and then and then on top of that so adam carolla also has the water cooler in which he talks to mm. the carolla digital that's a brand carolla digital staff they hang out and they talk about anything so that sounds great let me ask you this 
Does he have children? He does. He has twins. He's a sixteen-year-old, a boy and a girl. He and his Ooh. wife Lynette Paradise have been together for a long time. I remember him talking about quote Lynette as his girlfriend when I listened to Loveline in high school. He talked wow. about Lynette, and then I just read sadly that they announced they are getting divorced back in May a couple months ago. So what else has Adam Carolla been up to? In, in addition to six amazing podcasts, he also has published seven books, what? including including 2010s in 50 years will all be chicks, dot, 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 and other complaints from an angry middle-aged white guy. <laughs> His latest book is I'm Your Emotional Support Animal Navigating Our All-Woke No-Joke Culture that came out last year. And then he's currently writing the book ask an asshole advice and answers from the most unapologetic man in comedy so there's that and we haven't even gotten to the legacy of the man show yet while loveline is like you know at its height they're getting like every coveted warp tour band to come in to be their their guests and laugh at kids that call in to ask if you know it's bad that they masturbate with their next door neighbor simultaneously to this which again makes it even more confounding that these two men drew must have been in his 40s during love lines height and i think adam was like maybe mid-30s adam carolla then also has the man show on comedy central that ran from 1999 to 2004 in which his co-host was jimmy kimmel it was supposed to be this like you know frat house rompy answer backlash to pc culture to that's right political political correctness which everybody seemed to think was like gonna ruin the world i mean as we see it now with quote cancel culture right you know we all know that adam carolla has said horrible things including you know that people who died of covid were pussies he's also said that women aren't funny you know, I think Adam Carolla is a great example of the fact that cancel culture doesn't really exist because look at how right. successful he is. Like, Sick, right. like let's not exactly. pretend like you've been a victim to this. I incorrectly in this episode say that Jimmy Kimmel has apologized for his time on oh. The Man Show. He hasn't. He has only ever said that he would not participate in the man show again if it was ever rebooted, which, duh. I mean, why would he? Like, he's a very, you know, he says a a mainstream late night talk show now on ABC, and he's very successful. So, of course, he wouldn't participate in a reboot of the man show. So, I incorrectly state that. But he went on Watch What Happens Live in 2019. And he said that even though he wouldn't participate, that he thinks that, quote, the man show, he told Andy Cohen, I think it would be more popular than it ever was. Uh, Mm. And that's because there's a certain portion of society that is outraged behind the outrage. And I think that they would probably find it to be exhilarating, he explained. So basically just saying like there's this whole world of people who are fed up with our hyper woke society and that they would think the man show was quote exhilarating to use his words. He did last summer. Here's the one thing he has apologized for related to the man show in in June 2021. Jimmy Kimmel, as the world reckoned with George Floyd, all facets of American industry, including the entertainment industry, had to really look at its complacency with white supremacy and perpetuation of white supremacy. So he apologized for appearing in blackface as the NBA player Carl Malone. 
He then took a bit of a break, which he said was a planned vacation, but some people wondered if really he was just going to skedaddle off the air for a while while the dust settled on that. It makes sense. Yeah. Like it was, you know, the network was like, it's your time for you a know vacation. what? I think the network said to, to use uh, Adam Carolla's show title, it's time to take a knee. You know, it's interesting because I found this article from May 2019 called The Man Show Diaspora by the New York Times reporter Jessica Bennett. And it looks at this Comedy Central show, The Man Show. The men that got famous from this show are all using their platforms to either speak to right wing or left wing talking points. You know, Jimmy mm-hmm. Kimmel has rallied a lot on his show about healthcare. His little his little boy has had tons of health issues. Mm-hmm. The fact that the healthcare system in the United States is so horrible. He's been moved to tears talking about it live. He's, you know, been a very, very critical of Donald Trump, has made so many jokes about mm-hmm. him. Right. Joe Rogan, who actually replaced Jimmy Kimmel and Adam Carolla when they left The Man Show in 2003. Joe Rogan That's is right. burst from The Man Show. You know, Joe Rogan <gasps> is is also anti-cancel culture. He has a ton of opinions. This article notes that he endorsed Bernie Sanders. I mean, it's not like an apples to apples, like there's a clear connection to politics and the man right. show. I think it was more of a just like kind of what we're doing. Like, remember the fucking man show? All of these men are still highly successful and yes. have huge platforms. Yes. Oh, my God. Post me too. Uh, exactly. So this is Jessica Bennett writing the New York Times. She's talking about the first episode of The Man Show, which aired in 1999. In the show's first episode, in a monologue atop the Hoover Dam, Mr. Kimmel and Mr. Carolla asserted that, quote, just as these heroic men did 60 years ago, we are building a dam, a dam to hold back the tidal wave of feminization that is taking over this country, a dam to stop the estrogen (laughs) That is drowning us in political correctness. And then Jessica Jessica wow. Bennett writes in parentheses, if only they knew, like, you know. And so right. later she notes that, you know, quote, the women's movement had driven men to the fringes, yet the show wasn't actually fringe at all. When it premiered, it was Comedy Central's second most popular show after South Park. More than a third of its viewers were women. And so were many of the Comedy Central executives in charge of production. It's interesting to me that a show that was sort of, I think that they would, if Jimmy Kimmel and Adam Carolla were sitting here, they would say, yeah, but we were part, we made ourselves the butt of the jokes and we were supposed to be these loudish kind of ding dong assholes that like, ultimately we were the butts of the the jokes of these hyper misogynistic jokes on these characters that were satirizing. But it's like, how interesting that, While Adam Carolla has a very popular show, which has essentially kept him famous for the next 20 years about the fact that we're all too soft, we're all too, you know, worried about saying the wrong thing, we become pussies, hence the title of his book in 10 years, we'll all be chicks. Masculinity is like in peril because of yes. because of wokeness and because women have gained more power in the past fifty years? Question mark. They take all their jobs, and yet every night simultaneously, he was getting on a call-in show for children, listened to by children, mm-hmm. and telling them that what was really fucking wrong with them was the fault of a dude. You're fucked up because of your father. So riddle me that, Adam Carolla. Where's dad? 
Where's, Where's dad, Adam? dad indeed? Adam, where's dad indeed? We have to say it was fun to revisit uh, for all the wrong reasons, <laughs> but we're glad we did. If you don't know about Loveline, give this one a listen. And if you do, listen again. And, and thank you. And we love you. And we'll leave you with more Drew as Nancy Sinatra. <laughs> These boots were made for walking. I'm Erin Hosier. My favorite literary podcast is Other People with Brad Listy. Most writers are so neurotic, but they've had really interesting childhoods. Even if they didn't, you still want to hear how they got their book deals. Did they write with confidence? Or were they puking through that process like me? With more than 600 episodes since 2011, past guests include some of the most fascinating and popular writers, including Susan Orlean, Hilton Ailes, George Saunders, Cheryl Strayed, Brett Easton Ellis, Otessa Moshfeg, Roxanne Gay, even Jonathan Franzen. Who's next? Michelle Obama? And every one of those 600 episodes are available for free. Brett Ellis's podcast ain't free. New episodes hit every Wednesday, and you can find them online at otherpeople.com, otherppl.com, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This is Tell Me About Your Father, a podcast about daddy issues, father figures, and dismantling the paternal mystique. So busy. Mm -hmm. My Facebook alert system told me that our friendship is four years old. I believe it. That's crazy. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Remember um, back in 2014 when we weren't friends? I don't. It feels like forever. Exactly. I don't remember that. I don't remember a time. It just reminded me that I was still writing Don't Let Me Down, my book about my relationship with my dad and growing up in the 90s. And so that didn't come out until 2018. Available in all fine bookstores. That's right. Now in paperback. Ooh. That's what we bonded over. We bonded over laughing about our own daddy issues. Mm-hmm. Just And one of the first, like, the formative experiences that you shared was your coming of age to Loveline, the radio call-in show. Right. Talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Loveline, for a certain generation, I'm 37. Yeah. Um, and I'm 45, so it's like... Okay. Let's call it younger Gen X, older millennials. Right. And their parents, frankly. Yeah, we'll call it people born in the the mid-70s to mid-80s, question mark. Yeah. But Loveline was a radio show that was on your local, it was usually the alternative station. It was on at night. It was a call-in sex advice show hosted by Dr. Drew Pinsky, who was an actual doctor. I think his actual, what was his, (laughs) he always said it. He's still an actual doctor. He's an actual doctor. You know, he's an MD. An addiction medicine specialist. They would always try to cram it in that he was board certified. Board certified. I'm certified. 
justifiably <laughs> bored. Um, but it was it was a show. It was really popular, and people would call in with all sorts of questions that ranged from true medical sexual questions, like it hurts when I pee, it hurts when I pee, or like I think I have a lump in my breast, or more classic examples to you know stuff that was more the hazy, thorny mazes of sexuality that most people go through in their adolescence. Like, is it gay that my friend and I watch porn together? Like. A, a call from a 14 year old boy yeah asking that or people calling in and asking about fetishes what is this impulse in me what right. does this mean that I'm attracted to my cousin and it made for great radio because there's always that question of is it real is this person who's calling about their obsession with their peanut butter licking pets <laughs> Um, <laughs> what was up with people in the 90s putting peanut butter on their dicks? I, I honestly, <laughs> yeah. The show is really exciting. And one of the reasons why it's so listenable is because he also has this sort of sidekick with him in the studio named Adam Carolla, who's kind of a like, like says what he says, what he thinks is supposed to be the foil to Dr. Drew's straight man, professional doctor personality. Yeah. Well, he's a he's an aging stand up comedian who he's kind of like a Tim Allen Mm. type mm -hmm. right great but comparison. younger great comparison it's like his shtick is men are one way and women are tits right <laughs> right and and then and the way that he makes that work even in the halcyon misogyny days of the early 90s is that it's women are tits but god damn it don't we love them for putting up with us yeah yeah you the, know the like the salt of the earth like, yeah mm -hmm. isn't he like full-on yeah, I think right he's like wing. a full Trumpy Trumper guy. But, you know, during all of this, he was also doing The Man Show in 1999. It was on from 99 to 2004. But here's a here's just a taste. You know, I'm, I'm reading off the Wikipedia page for The Man Show. But, like, Jimmy Kimmel has since, like, come out and been like, that was stupid and I regret doing that. And Adam Carolla has yeah. only doubled down and been like, I'll never apologize so the show was a comedy sketch show. It lampooned the, the stereotypical loudish male perspective in a sexually charged humorous light and end the shows with the girls on trampoline segment, which was literally sure. just footage of girls shot from below, I, like women jumping on trampolines upskirt. and upskirt kind of shots with like in their underwear. Well. Yeah. This person who's giving advice to 15 year old girls about rape is simultaneously at the end of a Comedy Central show that's airing at the same time showing women jumping on trampolines. One young woman calls in and her question is, why won't my boyfriend go down on me? He just doesn't like it. And Adam Carolla says, well, is he gay or is he black? Oh like, clearly you can't say that today. Right. But that was always wrong. It's right. not like I heard that 20 years ago and was like, That's oh, fine. cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we know that, like, what Adam Carolla is saying even 20 years ago, people are like, that's shitty and, and stupid to say. And also, Adam Carolla has no regrets. But it's important to mention the 90s, there was no internet that we had access to. America was not known and still isn't known for its human sexuality 
education or right. focus on um, human sexuality as kids develop or what sexuality even is or birth right. control. You right. had MTV if you had cable television. You had mm-hmm. the Howard Stern Show, which had been on since 1986 right. and was like the shock jock, you know, that movement of like, we can say everything but the F word right. <laughs> on, on the radio. Right. So why not just let it out there? You could say the N word, just not the F word. Sure. So that was the dynamic. Like we wanted to get our health news from a comedian and somebody who we thought was actually a like a real medical professional and had our best interests at heart. At, right. You know, that Emphasis was the idea. On we thought. Adam Carolla is currently 55 and Drew is 61, which means that Yay. 20 years ago they were in their mid you know, mid-30s. They were adults. You know, early 40s. And Dr. Drew was probably a parent. Yes, he has, he has triplets. I was surprised to learn that most of the callers were underage, you right. know, less than 21. And even though I was less than 21 when I was calling or when I was listening, there's so many young people that call in, and in particular, young girls. Hmm. But but now the idea that a thirty five year old shock jock and well, it's actually sort of, criminal. Some of the things that they say uh, right. to, to like a girl that will be thirteen, for instance. So one thing that is most alarming is taking bets on what had happened to Yay. these young women while they waited on the line and could hear what was being said about them. So let's listen to. An episode that features an 18-year-old girl and a band that you've never heard of called Stroke Nine. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, guys. This episode is from January 17th, 2000, and they're listening to a woman talking about her boyfriend who's a little older than her. She's worried about getting pregnant. She's contracted two STDs from him. It's not like this is a situation where you're like, yep, this is a great idea relationship that's not full of... And they never are. If you're calling into Loveline, you haven't had therapy. You don't know anything about life Mm -hmm. or... A lot of these kids are not educated on the basics of the birds and the bees. Right. At this point, they've just gotten this caller, Courtney, who's 18, to admit that her boyfriend is a diesel mechanic, which then sends Adam Carolla on a riff about him being super white trash and clearly stupid. And they keep <laughs> returning to this urging, please, whatever you do, don't don't get, get pregnant. pregnant. Yeah. So she moved across the country to be with this person she'd only known for a few weeks, right? right? Mm -hmm. So they are gambling on what is in her past that made her do do something so crazy. Right. An 18-year-old do something so crazy. Without even knowing what the question at hand even is. Right. At this point, all we know is that she contracted two STDs from this person. and We should point out that they're very common STDs also. Herpes and Everybody's got herpes. (laughs) Very um, common. Very common, very treatable. to get. So here's this bedding that happens when women call in and talk about complicated things, what they do when they call in. Okay. I mean, I've moved from a different state for this guy after knowing him for three weeks. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. Want to do some gambling here? Yeah, I'm going to hold on yeah. a second. You guys got money? We got to gamble. Right. There's uh, 
there's something going on here with Courtney. Moved to a different state, three weeks. All right, now here's how this uh, gambling works. We gamble on the past, not on the present or the future. We want to know what kind of environment she came from. Now, you can gamble and say parents loved her, no problem. You can go with alcoholic dad. You can go with uh, sexual abuse, whatever you like. Uh, you guys got money? Uh, yeah, money. Oh, okay. Money, I think. Got, uh, just a buckle, Hold dude. On. Did we get our per diems today? <laughs> I got to say, I know there's something over there, but I do not have a clear read on it. I don't. Uh, I may go a different angle here. This is what I've got. You guys got? You I got questions? my own angle here. Oh, I got dollar. Oh, I got five. What do you got? You got dollar? Yeah. All right. I'm. I'm gonna go first. Oh, this is tough. I'm gonna go with uh, fat in high school. Huh? Ooh. Reasonable. Yeah, it's uh, it's a hunch. You know, knew him for three weeks and came out there. That's uh, the move of a big gal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. On the other hand, out early, I mean, on her own early, got to be a lot of chaos at home. Yeah. Stepdad doing something. You know what I'm saying? What do you think, Eric? I, I kind of think the alcoholic dad, you know. That's a reasonable bet. Yeah. That's a good bet. Very right, safe. Good. Almost too easy. Yeah, it is. All right, what was his drink? <laughs> Who didn't have one, you know? Jim uh, Beam. Jim yeah. Beam. Okay. All right. All right. I'm going to go with dropped on her head. Safe. Yeah. As an infant. Drop this. And she won't remember that, yeah. though. She won't remember, but, you know, she'll probably say they loved her. Well, let me tell you, you're not going to win any money if she doesn't remember. I, I've got the, uh, I've got the, uh, this, you know, um, the chaos, but I'm, I'm cutting my own path. I'm totally independent from my parents. Uh-huh. So I'm getting the, like, the, the opposite of what she's presenting. Maybe, like, wealthy parents over intrusive, but she wouldn't perceive it that way. Large family. We'll see what happens. Large family yeah. who uh, are or very involved, but semi well to do. Yeah, Luke, come on, not dropped on the head. That's not gonna work. Um, I kind of disagree with you, dude, because I mean, you know, if she's going out with a, a diesel. Yeah, but this is her. This could is her, be rebelling. Her, rebelling. Yeah. You no, no, no. But well, no, let let Luke venture a guess. Um. Gosh, I think that that uh, she is. I mean, how, Someone's got to go with molested. Yeah. You know, let's go with molested, yeah. rape. <sighs> Come on. I don't think raped. Molested. I think, yeah, probably molested. So my thing is, where did she get the Uncle? So. Dad? Um, I'm going with stepdad. I'm going stepdad. I, I think there's a stepdad yeah. in there somewhere. Adam, where did she get the funds to travel states? 18. Well, this guy doesn't have the funds. Uh, just quiet down. Greyhound. Uh, Columbo. Wow, they really covered the gamut. Yeah. Okay, this was 2000, so this is almost 20 years ago or 20 years ago. Feels like yesterday. It feels like yesterday. I just want to say that even 20 years ago, a board-certified addiction medicine specialist and An whatever MD. the fuck else he is should know how deeply problematic making a game out of a woman's trauma experience is. Yeah. That doesn't feel like we just post me to pulled that out of our asses. 20 years ago, he had to know that what he was doing was he fucked up. He wanted to be Howard Stern, but instead he just had to go to medical school, I guess. <laughs> and Right. And the other thing that's interesting about that clip is that the members of the band A Stroke Nine are Eric and Luke. Eric guesses alcoholic father, and then Luke guesses that she was dropped on her head. Ha ha, LOL. Later, Adam gets frustrated with that and is like, come on, you got to pay one thing he's upset with a this member of this band that has not taken this seriously and is like come on dude not she was dropped on her head she was molested yeah (laughs) (laughs) 
you gotta pick one. You gotta pick one thing. Also, it's I just picked one. I picked thing. it's just one thing. His analysis of fat in high school is incredible to me. Fat. Fat. That's that something that only a desperate fat chick would do. And then Drew's takeaway is that she's pushing back against a her wealthy privilege. family. Yeah, yeah her yeah. privilege. She's acting out. Hearing that and knowing full well that what they were doing was fucked up and that this was stupid. And then another part of me, I mean, the voice is much quieter now, will ever go away, which is like, oh, no, maybe I am the fat girl in high school. You know, one wonders, what's Courtney doing? Could Courtney hear what they're saying throughout all of this while she's on hold, the what she must have been fat in high school kind of stuff? Anyway, yeah. so they've just gambled, and she absolutely can hear what they're saying. And here's what Courtney says in response now. Courtney? Yeah. Okay, now what's up? I wasn't fat in high school. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Son of a bitch. I was raped when I was 15. You were raped at 15? <sighs> raped at 15. It's not a stepmom. I've got a stepdad. Or I've got a stepmom, not a stepdad. Mm-hmm. Okay, she was abusive. She was abusive. Physically abusive. Physically, yes, very. Uh huh. Okay. And what happened before 15? The physical abuse of mom. Physical yeah. abuse of stepmom? Ever since yeah. I was in third grade, she's. That'll do it. Where's, um, where's real mom? I don't know. I haven't known her since I was three. Haven't known her. And yeah. uh, was dad must not have been much of a prize. Um, he's. I have a good father, but. Yeah, but he, good fathers don't bring home physically abusive stepmoms and then let them have their way with their kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Was he working all the time? Do I work? Was he working all the time? My dad? Yeah. He, now he does. He didn't back then before he was a manager at a grocery store. Yeah, okay. Drew's out. No. Yeah, that, that the whole Drew, that, uh, that was the that was worst guess. guess I've ever heard in my life. Guess. I couldn't get a read on her. <laughs> Come on, how, how how tall are you? Six foot. Six foot? Yeah. Uh-oh. Uh, how much you weigh? Uh, 150. Wow. That's about right. That's a lot of woman. Jesus. And had you, you weren't f- big in high school? No. How'd you get the funds to follow this guy across state? I modeled in high school. Oh, man. I'm oh, humiliated. Man. How'd you get the funds to go across state? How did, oh, I, well, first it was Greyhound. <laughs> All right. Uh, Drew, you're, you're really, you're barking up the no, wrong No, no, I'm here. curious. I'm, I'm, I'm out. Listen, six hey, fo- I'm out. Six-foot chick and a hitchhike. She can get to San Francisco before you could get there from Burbank. She really could. You, yeah. you know what I mean? All right. Wait, 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 wait. I think she's got something to tell us. What did you, how did you get funds? Uh, well, I got... My dad was going to pay for the... My dad did pay for the plane ticket for me to get over here. He just uh, to go uh, hang with the diesel mechanic? Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, Courtney? Yeah. So, wait a minute. Did your dad do any drinking? He used to. Yeah? Uh-huh. When did he quit? When I was probably 12. 12. All right, so dad was an alcoholic. Daddy drank. He yeah. drank like a 12-pack a day. 12-pack. He drank for the government. 12-pack of Jim Beam? No. no. Okay. But he drank. He, he did some drinking. Yeah. Stepmom was abusive. Who raped you when you are 15? This guy that's in the Air Force now. Okay. Thank he God we have him uh, protecting Yeah, he was 15. And uh, was he a boyfriend or something? No, just an acquaintance. No, and uh, no uh, sexual abuse before that? Not that I know of. I mean, my stepmoms told me that my dad was taken to court for um, physically abuse, like molestation, child molestation for Uh, me and my little sister. What the hell are you talking about now? Come on. Wouldn't that... uh 
but Does that count as something? I don't know if it's true or not. <laughs> well, um, we hold on. It is. I'm going, yeah. Yeah, based on your behavior now. I can now. tell it in your voice. Yeah. Huh? Based on your behavior now, we'd say it probably was true. All right, did Courtney. He, did he go to jail? No. No. Courtney, listen to me. Um, see if you can read a book. See if you can get a little counseling. Please, please, please don't get pregnant. And don't get married for a while. All right? Okay. All right. Uh, she's going to be married, and she's going to be pregnant in three months. <laughs> so much to unpack. Um, <laughs> I know. Where to begin? I almost feel like Adam Carolla was more sensitive in that reaction than Dr. Drew that's at a, certain that's points. True. Yeah. I mean, I think what's hard. Where Drew's like, come on now. Come on now. What are you talking about? And that counts. You know, it's weird because, as we've said talking about this, they're not like Adam Carolla telling her, please don't get pregnant with the diesel mechanic that you knew for three weeks before you moved to be with him. Please take care of yourself. His quip about the rapist serving, like, I'm so glad someone like that's serving our country. Like, he makes those flashes of some sort of awareness of what he's doing and trying to help. Whereas Drew, the real physician and therapist, right, is he's not a therapist. He's a board-certified addiction medicine specialist, is like, come on now. Come what on are you talking now. About? Have some self-awareness, dummy. Courtney, age 18. Who we've now learned within the course of a couple minutes is neither fat, was <sighs> also a model, but yes, did happen to come from an abusive background. Ding, ding, ding. Mm-hmm. Geniuses. Mm-hmm. But they also, you know, where's the alcoholic? Where's just the complete lack of empathy and somehow making it funny? When he says, don't get pregnant, he's talking about, like, don't continue the bloodline mm-hmm. of this trash. Totally, totally. You know, you. it's not about protecting her or you know, take things slowly even. It's mm-hmm. just like kill yourself. That's what mm, I hear Interesting. when I hear the call with Courtney. Yeah. It's just like, you're ruined, you're broken. You're ruined, you're broken. You're and, fat. And not, you're fat. Well, thank God you're not fat. Thank God you're fuckable. I think the other thing that they're getting at, and that's a good point, is like the concept of intergenerational trauma, which is now kind of a tossed off phrase. And like, it's more common and more understood that you inherit the trauma and the abusive tendencies of your parents who inherited them from their parents and blah, 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 blah. Is that the implication there with don't get pregnant? Or do you think it's more? Yeah, I think it's just like trash, trash. like you you shouldn't get yeah. pregnant yeah and you're doomed yeah th- dr drew like spots out some really questionable um statistics i heard him tell a caller that if he was add and his father was an alcoholic that meant automatically that he was an alcoholic because mm, yes. you can't you know he's really big on these bipolar means this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you have addiction in your past, you will never overcome it. You must always be vigilant. And mm-hmm. yet his new podcast opens with a CBD spawn con. <laughs> Not oh that there's God. anything wrong with CBD, but I just find it ironic that the addiction specialist, because of course, you know, people who smoke pot, right. you know, are naturally attracted to CBD, be- even though it's not psychoactive. 
Right. I mean, it's that's just, how I knew what a gateway drug was, exactly. which like wasn't only Drew saying it, Dr. Drew, but like I remember him saying like once you start smoking weed, you end up at heroin. Yeah. And again, it's like just the sheer irresponsibility of you can't, you cannot speak in such black and white, stupid, you know, <laughs> knee jerk No, you can't. As a doctor, he even 20 years ago, he knew better than this. Okay, so next we're going to listen to what happens when callers resist being asked, where's your dad, or who don't go along with that line of questioning. So this caller is named Donna. This is actually on the same episode as Courtney. Donna, they don't know how old she is. She sounds like she's slightly older than maybe 18, and She calls to say that she's worried about the fact that she has this sexual fantasy. She doesn't know what it means and she wants their analysis and advice, which is that she can really only enjoy sex if she's tying her boyfriend up and dripping candle wax on him and then he has to break free. Wait, I guarantee the Madonna movie Body of Evidence came out. Around the time of right. this episode. It seems like particularly 90s to, dra- to drip wax on someone. Like it's so something you see yeah, on Madonna or like a music <laughs> video. Like that kink is so specific to the 90s. I haven't <laughs> thought about that in so long. Has anyone actually, is that really people's kink or is that like it from is. like a it's music video? It's an S&M video? thing. And there was a time during the Sex in the City era, which mm. is analogous to Loveline really. Mm-hmm. There was a moment in New York City when there were the these S&M or BDSM themed restaurants Mm -hmm. and once I accidentally took my boyfriend to have a birthday party there with all of his real estate firm brokerage colleagues and I arranged for him to get a birthday spanking Mm. you know in the dungeon area Mm. of the restaurant and I thought that was going to mean a little Mm hanky-panky you know a little tap by Mm -hmm. a hot chick wearing a bustier And all of our friends gathered around and he's stripped down to his boxers and this woman just like beats the shit out of him with a board, like Mm. with a paddle, while simultaneously dripping a burning candle wax all down his like butt and crack. And I just screamed for her to stop. I'm like, every safe word, every safe word. And I still feel so guilty about it to this day sorry paul what did he do Uh, he was was i think humiliated surprised and you know hopefully i didn't let it last that long (laughs) he i just i was in my 20s i didn't even know that it was like a real thing for people to get off on being hit right right, so it is an interesting question what are the roots what what are the roots why am i into this yes but that's not what happens during this call although to be fair earlier in the call adam carolla after she says all of this he's like well you know some people are into this stuff once in a while like what are you talking about yeah And then they get her to go into more specifics that she wants her boyfriend to break out of the restraints and and punish her and that she likes, just not likes, but that one reason why it works for her is that she feels like she acts inappropriately or out of line, quote unquote, with her boyfriend during the day, like just in their daily lives and that these are her moments to be punished for it, which is what then Mm. starts Dr. Drew on this line of questioning about her father and whether she was spanked growing up, which she's sort of resistant to and... 
says no. But here's what happens when callers don't go along with the escape route and blame everything on your father. Come on, Donna. Just admit he uh, whipped you a little bit. Come on. No, I think that the last time that he did, I was probably in seventh grade. Seventh but grade, he did, you're, you're though, thirteen Donna, in the, seventh grade. The point is, he should, the fact that he ever did is what causes these kinds of fetishes. Ever? Do you understand that? Mm, I guess. All okay. right. Well, listen. Screw you. Deny everything and let your boyfriend beat the crap out of you for the rest of your life. Go to hell. I don't care. I'm done with all this, Drew. I'm trying to. I'm done trying to convince people they're screwed up. You're well, calling the show. You're saying that you you know you drip candle wax and your boyfriend screwed him. You tie him up the phone cord. Then he chews his way out and beats the crap out of you. This goes on every night. Maybe I've been a little bit naughty during the day. I think I might deserve it. Then we got to sit there and ring you like a bar rag to get just a drop of information out of you. But we you you kick and scream for every ounce of usable information, and now it's screw you. Forget it. So you, you had, no, it had nothing to do with anything. You just got hooked up with the the one boyfriend that beat the crap out of you. Magically, you got a new boyfriend that's beating on you. And magically, I knew that her dad. And magically, actually. Drew knew that dad may have done a little boozing and a little smacking himself, but there's zero connection. It's just a big string of coincidences, and there's no connection. So what's what have we learned? Nothing. You can never change. There's nothing to look into. None of you, I'm going to use some reverse psychology, don't look into anything. You'll never change. I want you to stay exactly the way you are. Don't examine your past. Of course, even if they do. There's no bearing on your future. Even if they do examine, it doesn't mean they're going to change. <laughs> well, that's true. Wow. So I feel like Adam talked a little bit longer than the guest there, mm-hmm. <laughs> who actually didn't speak at all. So they're trying to get her to say her father abused her. Then she says, well, maybe he was abusive to me in seventh grade. And again, what's interesting about this dynamic, and I remember listening to Loveline, if this is 2000, I would have been like 17 or 18 listening to this thinking like that I understood Adam Carolla's frustration in these moments of like yeah. why can't these people see you know yeah however it's the lack of care and <laughs> and gentleness and respect. awareness respect of like oh we're talking to someone who is saying that their father whipped them quote unquote in seventh grade at age 12 or 13 and she's having a hard time connecting the dots and she's met with you're an idiot and you know what go ahead and go get beaten up by your boyfriend i hope your boyfriend what does he say he says screw you and let your boyfriend beat the crap out of you for the rest of your life dr drew says being spanked is what causes bdsm with this fetish as he calls it i grew up being spanked a lot and i was so clueless about S&M that I accidentally got my boyfriend beaten up at a restaurant. You know, I promise you I am not into being hit or hitting others. So mm-hmm. fuck you, Dr. Drew. I'm pretty sure it goes a little deeper than spanking. So <laughs> where do we go from here? We've determined that Drew is... <laughs> in shock from these clips. So at, so far in the conversation, we've determined that Dr. Drew should have known better and that too many times in these conversations that he's not gentle with the listeners around true trauma, but then also sort of wags his fingers at them. Yeah, he does. Does Dr. Drew hate his callers? Because what we don't hear going back and listening to these old episodes is any gentleness or empathy. Who's the other big kind of TV doctor of this time at the same time that's coming up? 
Doogie Hauser. <laughs> also Doogie Hauser, but Dr. Oh, yeah, Dr. Phil. And in 2010, this was in an interview with the Huffington Post, Dr. Drew says the following about Dr. Phil. Quote, Dr. Phil does good TV. Beyond that, I don't know. He's a psychologist who isn't even licensed to practice anymore. I'm troubled by the way the term doctor gets thrown around nowadays, so much so that people don't even know exactly what a doctor is anymore. If they listen to my show, if they hear me speak, they'll be able to tell the difference between us pretty fast. (laughs) Dr. Phil does tend to speak in these, I don't know, sort of slogans, I guess. Mm -hmm. Some might call it a 12-step slogan. In addition to such gems as, how's that working for you? In response to literally anything, how's that working for you? Right. You're only lonely if you're not there for you. (gasps) Sometimes you make the right decision. Sometimes you make the decision right. It's better to be healthy alone than sick with someone else, Mm -hmm. which I'm pretty sure is an Al-Anon thing. That's that's Al-Anon. I say that as someone who's a um, grateful member of Al-Anon. Who needs to be at her (laughs) Al-Anon meeting in an hour. I gotta go. I gotta go. (laughs) (laughs) We've all seen Dr. Phil's TV show. It's very sensationalized, but at the end of the 40-minute exploitation bukkake bonanza he does <laughs> offer via bukkake his producers bonanza. he does offer via his producers some you know we're gonna set you up with a local therapist we're gonna set you up with this you right. know, um, treatment for 90 days or whatever mm-hmm. but if clinical doctor physician md dr drew were to do that you would have to not just appear on his show once, but completely devote your life to a reality series called Teen Mom. Because <laughs> I think he was on Teen Mom too. But yeah, that's a good point. These episodes with Dr. Phil, there was like some next step. And that's what was lacking in the, <laughs> the radio show, which is, you know, really, truly dealing with children. I mean, a lot of the callers, as we've talked about already, are kids. They're really young. He's worse than Dr. Phil. How is he worse? Because Dr. Phil is an idiot, right? I think they're both idiots because they rely on these oversimplifications, this pop psychology. There's no room for nuance. It's total exploitation. It's like being a, a TV psychic. Or something. Right. You know, you just sum somebody up in, in 10 seconds and then you say something that sounds like wisdom but is probably a fortune cookie. And it's what you just said that he and Drew both use this black and white, like this happened to you, this happened to you, therefore this, which is obviously more complicated than that. It's in just terms of basic psychology and human nature and how people act. Yeah. Dr. Phil is on at what time? One o'clock in the afternoon or two? Like, yeah, it's every their day. Their intended target audience is not kids listening in their bedrooms at home, which is what Loveline was. And so Drew, in a way, I feel like is even worse and more irresponsible because you have teenagers listening to this stuff. There seems to be a lack of awareness or willingness on his part to be speaking for the greater listenership in these moments. I know it's true, considering Um, the platform that he had. I believe he had a show, or he's always had shows. Dr. Drew is the most employed fake psychiatrist on the face of the planet. (laughs) 
Didn't he have a he had a show forever on? Yeah, he that? has. We can read them off. Doctor Drew on call. Celebrity mm-hmm. rehab with Doctor Drew. Sex rehab with Doctor Drew. Strictly sex with Doctor Drew. Strictly Doctor Drew. <laughs> Life changers. That seemed to be something with like the general pub and him weighing in. Love line TV show because it was there was a TV version of it. Mm. Sixteen and pregnant. Big brother. A bunch of like little appearances here and there. Teen mom too. Sure. Oh, t- sorry. Teen mom, teen mom too. And then all of the teen mom um, reunion shows. The intended audience. And as we know from listening to these old clips of Loveline, you have people calling in who are 12, 13, 14, 15 years old. Yes. And that's how old I was when I was listening to the show. Yes. And the fact that that's that's something that I really bristle at is like, these were children. These were children calling in. And if it's children calling in, there's you have to assume that it's children listening to you. Yeah. So when you act like someone is a fucking idiot for not, you know, being self-aware at age 17 about their abuse. Right. Like, oh, you're having sex with your social studies teacher mm-hmm. at 16. But I love him. You right. think you do, honey. <laughs> no, but you he's don't, fucking Caitlin. all your other friends, you know? <laughs> right. Like, what? Right. There's no sensitivity there oh, at all. I was re-listening to some episodes, and at one point, one of the girls that they're talking to says the word fuck, and they bleep it out, and then oh, chastise her for saying for the saying word, it, for yeah. swearing. Mm-hmm. After all of the horrible things they say that aren't technically swears. Right. And that same sense of exasperation. Like, yeah. how could you be so stupid right. that this is your life? Right. The anger. Is that is that anger that we see? Because we hear in the, both those clips that we just listened to, you hear it in Drew and Adam Carolla. Yeah. What is that? Is that is that people not listening you. to them? Is it people not like the thing that's painful to hear? I mean, and I've heard them. I, I'm, I'm sure there are lots of examples of them doing it to men and young men and teenage boys that call in but like it just it feels extra icky when it's a girl who's like well yeah I guess my dad did beat me when I was in seventh grade or I guess yeah I was molested or I guess I I actually was raped when I was 15 to then have that met with what are you talking about like yeah there was disdain in his voice and the exasperation when Adam Carolla really rips into that woman, he says, I can hear it in your voice when she says, yes. well, OK, I guess that he my stepmom said something about him molesting and going to court for molestation. But before that, it's I can hear it in your voice. Most female callers that called in and a lot of them who had kind of higher pitched like sort of baby voices either because they were actually like 12 or they were there were older women with vocal fry or kind of babyer voices, whatever that means. Just high voices. Just high voices would be quizzed immediately about where their fathers were, what their, their trauma was around their fathers. You listen to it and you're like Freudian flashcards that he's using and that Adam Carolla is using to just push the episodes along quickly. They're trying to get as many callers on the show. A woman doesn't even finish her question and it's like it's because of your dad get help next you know (laughs) like um and certainly paternal trauma and and parental trauma like we all take that stuff on from like what we grew up with from either parent 
But I think the one thing that really sticks out for both of us listening to this show again as as adults and even then was how it made me scared. It made me feel like I was like 13, 14. My father was, you know, things were not good in in my house. And my dad was on the verge of of leaving. And he it was it was an unpleasant time. And I was very aware of it while it was happening. And I remember listening to Loveline and thinking, oh, my God, number one, I'm doomed Um, I'm doomed with my daddy issues. They're going to follow me for the rest of my life and ruin my life. And number two, my voice will be my tell. (laughs) All men can tell how broken you are and then will actually seek that out in you. Exactly. Well, Dr. Drew famously says it's one of his rules. He can pinpoint what age you were molested really? based on the sound of your voice. Really? So if you if you sound 12, mm-hmm. but you're actually 20, it means you were molested, raped, or somebody died, or there was a, an essential trauma right. that you do not grow from and you will never escape. Right. But the additional insanity that is that one's vocal cords become like ossified at that moment and they don't (laughs) they're just stuck and you're gonna talk like this for the rest of your life there's a lot of other factors (laughs) there's so many what about all the cigarettes i smoked when i was five yeah i mean you don't know i mean it's dangerous misinformation and it's stupid and also is incredibly beside the point so I think what I'm hearing you say yes. is that <laughs> is that Dr. Drew really doesn't care or doesn't seem to really care about his patients, for lack of a better word. When people would call in to the show and they would talk about being super depressed, he would take that seriously and he would often talk to them about medication, right? And that that was an important part of my understanding, I think, early on that it's okay to seek out medical help for your depression definitely it's okay to take a pill um and loveline did help to sort of have those discussions around that like who isn't depressed Mm -hmm. who isn't anxious Mm -hmm. maybe this will work for you yes depression can happen in children here's Mm. when it's worth uh, you know like one of the the episodes we listened to today like featured a question from a caller is it possible for a 10 year old to be depressed Mm -hmm. dr drew immediately says hell yes and makes an attempt to basically take that seriously before going on to (laughs) yell at a bunch of other people there was some serious conversations around mental health that were actually very there were but now that we've learned in retrospect that he was a paid shill for let's say Wellbutrin an antidepressant in a federal lawsuit in 2012 that led to a $3 billion settlement on mm-hmm. behalf of the drug company that makes Wellbutrin, GlaxoSmithKline. Mm-hmm. It was revealed that Dr. Drew was paid $275,000 to shill that antidepressant on Loveline Which, and other shows. In hindsight, he I can remember him talking to people about Wellbutrin. Because it's specifically, what did it do? It made you horny. Yes. He (laughs) said, (laughs) 
<laughs> that Wellbutrin for our patients who find that their junk has been numbed by their Lexapro. Right. Wellbutrin has been found to cause multi-orgasms in some patients. Wow. Women, namely women who, and then he would probably go into a shtick about how, you know, women are repressed by their depression <laughs> and can't come and therefore maybe this antidepressant will help get you there. It is true that certain drugs make you numb and make sex really un- not enjoyable and women and men suffer from that. The, f- the messed up thing is that this was all being talked about via, you know, an underlying push from Dr. Drew to push Wellbutrin. And he made a huge profit. He made how much money? 275? That was just for that, but that same year, 2012, this is years after mm-hmm. the Loveline radio show. The LA Times reported that 1-800-GET-THIN, which is the lap band surgery marketing firm, was the subject of a lawsuit from the FDA for misleading advertising, and Dr. Drew was the voice of 1-800-GET-THIN radio ads. And then we have, you know, where's dad, Dr. Drew, his own daughter, coming out years later saying I've struggled with bulimia and anorexia. Right. That was like a year after the lap band 1-800-THIN lawsuit. Yeah, he was the voice of 1-800-GET-THIN. Well, Mm. let's talk about his daughter. So his daughter, in the context of (laughs) 1-800-THIN, revealed when she was in college and she was writing for the Columbia Daily Spectator about her struggles mm. with bulimia and anorexia and just overall body image. And she talks about her mother being a big influence and kind of like being dismissive of her fears and being a little controlling at the same time right. about food restriction. And she wrote in one of her blog posts that um, it was when Kim Kardashian was pregnant with North. Everybody was talking about what a big, giant, fat lard she was Mm -hmm. for being pregnant. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Drew's daughter writes, I found the media's emphasis on her weight gain disturbing. Before my mother interrupted me, yeah, she got really fat. I looked at my father and he just mumbled his medical opinion under his breath saying, you know, it's very unhealthy for the baby to gain that much weight. Could be eclampsia. So he was just as dismissive, I guess, in his personal life as he would be to a caller so hopefully she doesn't take it that personal the thing about it is like you know the way that it's written that she looked to the doctor in the room and he just mumbled his his medical opinion under his breath even that phrasing he just mumbled she was waiting for him to jump in with more sort of like true clinical opinions about eating disorders which he opined on frequently on the show and typically he would start with asking about how their mothers were with them about food restriction but the fact that she says he mumbled is you know she's sort of looking to him for yeah hey dad I imagine that it would be really hard to be his daughter and to be a teenager struggling with her own body image not feeling like you can go to ask your dad that you can trust him not to shame you dr drew chose adam carolla over his daughter her entire life right well and also you know the confusion 
that must have popped up for her. I mean, again, this implies that he was being kind about it or compassionate about it with her at home. And maybe he wasn't, unfortunately. But like, can you imagine being that age and struggling that way? And then hearing your dad do nothing as Adam Carolla is like, you know, five bucks that she was fat in high school. Yeah. And everyone laughs. When we were growing up, how did you see your own body You know, did you think about it in terms of being attractive to men or being attracted to women or not attractive to anyone? I mean, I think... Did you feel fat? Yes. I mean, I felt... I still feel fat. (laughs) Well, exactly. (laughs) What's the difference? Um, Yes, I felt fat. I felt... I had a kind of an extra fun time with puberty because I developed really quickly and I know that weird age where like half the seventh grade half the class could pass for like 30 and the other half look like they're in pull-ups um and and I was in that passing for 30 camp which so much to the point that when I was like 10 I had like boobs like a b-cut boob and my parents were so alarmed that they took me to a doctor who had me get an MRI because they thought I had a, a tumor pushing on my pituitary gland because I was on. developing so fast. And so, you know, and, and I didn't have one. And it's I think it's a fairly common ish. I mean, I've met other people that experience this is called precocious puberty, where you just go into puberty earlier mm-hmm. than maybe other kids. So I felt extra freakish. Neither of my parents ever shamed me about my body or my weight. And I can remember saying things about myself, like putting myself down in front of my dad and him being like, no, honey, like you're you're perfect. He was always pretty gentle and kind in those moments. But like, yeah, I definitely didn't like how I looked. Definitely had my flirtations with eating disorders. Not even flirtations, like full-blown eating disorders in, in college and out of college. Yeah. Too of not eating and starving myself and getting really skinny. It's a it's a baffling disease. Yeah. Or just and body image in women is so confusing and Mm -hmm. loaded. So you cannot just say it's about one's dad or one's mom or it's genetic or No. But it's certainly baked into the culture that girls have to be pretty and girls have to be thin still. Mm Mm-hmm. And I got that message. Not from either of my parents explicitly, mm-hmm. but both of my everyone was freakishly thin in our family mm-hmm. on both sides. And so that was the thing. It was like the boys that I was sleeping with in high school were like, you need to be wearing cuter underwear. Ugh. That's how I found out what Victoria's Secret was, you know, because that's right. They had the sexy, silky mm. panty instead of the, you know, Hanes her way three right. for five or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, it was just the guys. It was it was the guys in my it was life like who your... were just like, where are your boobs? Right. You know, why are you stuffing your bra? All in the same sentence. Uh-huh. Like, ha ha ha, tee hee. Yeah. And these were guys that you were having sex yeah, with. Yeah, that I was already having sex with. And they were like, you need to be a little more womanly. Interesting. I don't know. I was reading this op-ed by a woman who was like, you know, it's just as much Dr. Drew's fault that his daughter had an eating disorder as it is her mother's Mm. or just that it seems like he would always deflect that body image stuff was due to the person's mother the Mm -hmm. young woman's mother and how controlling she was or how restrictive with her diet or Mm -hmm. how Jewish or whatever right Um, you'd be so pretty if you just lost five pounds or 
no man will want to look at you and that being like only something that a mother like in this dynamic that dr drew has peddled or maybe that eating disorders don't come out of the the, the father exactly. dynamic which i would say is has been unproven and argued against for a long time the psychology around adolescence and eating disorders and the I mean the idea of the perfect daughter is the starving daughter that you have to be pretty for your father like daddy's little girl stuff comes with such an unspoken and also spoken language of sexuality and beauty around it which is really strange yeah like what? And something we'll be focusing on a lot I, obviously it comes up again and again right because moms and you see it happening at two three years old like I have a three-year-old nephew and there's nothing culturally that's like mommy's handsome mommy's handsome guy mommy's little man I mean, I they mean do there have is, that. we do have it but it's not I don't know it's, it's not the same it's not as sexy the little man isn't as sexy. It's not as steamy and sensual. <laughs> what it, was it Anna Nicole who, who called her baby sexy? What? Said she wanted to keep her baby sexy? No. Meaning not too fat? I, you don't remember this? It was no. right before was she died. Was it Danny Lynn? Danny Lynn. Uh-huh. <laughs> sexy baby. But yeah, I mean, I think eating disorders and like what young girls look like is totally a dad thing too it's I mean it's never just one parent dysfunction can never just be attributed to one person or one thing but like dysfunction in this case being the eating disorder but like I think it's so perpetuated by the daddy daughter world like those dances yeah the the purity ball the purity dance the church is is very into like separating the genders in general like it's it's all about boys only girls only we should also talk about what Dr. Drew is doing now. Like, has his approach changed that much? Like, this was 20 years ago. I mean, 2000 versus 2020. Like, yes, a lot in the, the dialogue and the discourse, for lack of a better phrase, have changed. I can't remember a time before him. And he has always been, you know, this, he's the expert of narcissism. Mm-hmm. Like, for a while, he had a show that was just about celebrity narcissism. And mm-hmm. his podcast now is a lot of like, here's what it means. Like, Trump is a narcissist. And it's like, we get it. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you've you made your point. But he has always been the clearest <laughs> narcissist in yeah. my mind. I mean, what doctor who gives a real shit about mental health aligns themselves with shitty stand-up comedians their entire clinical career. No, totally. The only time really in recent memory that I've... Because I think about Dr. Drew and Where's Dad pretty frequently. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, in, my, in my own life. Where's um, Drew? Where's Dad? Where's Drew? But this is a headline from March of 2019. So last March that said... <laughs> the headline is just... Dr. Drew says something's not right with Beta O'Rourke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why? Who, by he the way, like yeah, do you, like Dr. Uh, Beta he doesn't trust him. He doesn't trust him. All he says is something's not right. And then he's on a website called Fox Nation with a Fox and Friends host, which is oh, wow, wow. 
Wow. Brian Kilmeade. That's Craven. So on this show, they're listening to Beto O'Rourke's campaign announcement, which was a little cuckoo Lulu in response to audio of of O'Rourke's presidential announcement video. The implication being there is no difference. I thought that was Tony Robbins. I'm just saying there's something that's going to go down there. I can feel it coming. I don't know what it is. There's something not right. Well, on top of it, don't forget that isn't Tony Robbins now being me too I mean, <laughs> so what's he impl- going what's he back decades? Yeah. yeah, so he's saying, I mean, Tony Robbins is another Dr. Drew, but right. even older somehow. The, <laughs> the cock calling the kettle black. Totally. Then later he says so that Brian Kilmeade, who's a host on, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing his name right, and I don't frankly fucking care, <laughs> but he's one of the Fox and Friends hosts in the morning, and he's pushing Pinsky in these moments to, he's saying, well, what's really setting off your alarm bells? And he says, he uses a lot of expletives. This is Dr. Drew talking about Beto O'Rourke. People like that. And then he trails up and Brian Kilmeade says, what are you picking up? And he says, something in my gut. I'm not sure yet. I haven't really examined it carefully enough. I just can tell there's a disconnect between what people think they're seeing and what's there. That's where I'm at. Which is like everyone. There's a disconnect between what we see and who we really are, of course. Shocker. But again, like to your point earlier about like Dr. Phil, like this ilk of kind of psychic-esque behavior or like I'll I'll need more time more will be revealed on this but so I'm picking up something yeah I'm sensing that (laughs) politicians are liars I'm sensing (laughs) that politicians are over the top people who use curse words interestingly enough though again what about Cory Booker (laughs) I mean what about Cory Booker where is Cory Booker's dad and also folks Beto O'Rourke's dad died when he was a teenager Um, so there you go chills Dr. (laughs) Drew was picking something up and really I'd like to know if he regrets how they handled these calls and if he were to go back and go through this exhaustively cataloged website if he would wince at how they handled some of these callers there's just no way so we wonder Dr. Drew where's your dad where's your dad Dr. Drew and also do you regret it and digging around on this weird Loveline archive site we did find some audio of a girl in 1999 in an episode from October 10th, 1999, named Megan. Megan is one of one of the young women who calls in over the years to question why are you always, you know, blaming it on girls and their relationship with their fathers. Okay, yeah. So here's Megan, who is 16 years old. Uh, Megan. Yeah. You're 16. Yeah. What's up? Um, nothing. I, like, lied and told them a lie because I wanted to tell you guys that, <clears throat> Adam, you need to be, like, more sensitive about, like, when girls and guys have their have problems. You don't need to be so rude. And you need to let Dr. Drew talk because he's a doctor and he, like, knows everything. And every time a girl has a problem, it's not because of their dad. Hey, I gave him the first half hour tonight. I didn't what? say a word. Forty in, minutes. I didn't say a word until, like, uh, 1035 tonight. I know, but you're still, he, he's like the main guy on there. And he, he likes me. All right. All right. I, I understand. Yeah, Megan, unfortunately, oh, yeah. a lot of guys, a lot of people out there like Adam better than me, though. Yeah, most. Well, I don't. A- a- excluding my immediate family. <laughs> I think Adam's totally rude. All right, so where's your dad? My dad? My dad is fine. And I called three weeks ago, and you guys told me I'd be pregnant. And, or no, I called four weeks ago. Oh, here we go. Ooh. And you guys told me that I'd be pregnant by... In like three weeks, well, I'm not. Mm, okay. Yeah, you guys need to be a little more sensitive. The night is still young, but seriously, where's your dad? 
My dad, he lives with me. Really? Yeah. And mom? My mom, they're divorced. When right. did your dad rape you? And uh, how's that going? Thanks for listening. Tell Me About Your Father was created and produced by Erin Hosier, Elizabeth Thompson and Matthew Philp. For more information, visit tellmeaboutyourfather.com. Follow us on Twitter at TMAYF Podcast and on Instagram at Tell Me About Your Father. Call our hotline at 888-318-DADS 24 hours a day and tell us about your father. That's 888-318-DADS. This podcast was inspired by Erin's memoir, Don't Let Me Down, which is available where all good books are sold. Episodes were recorded by Rob Hahn at the Playground Studios in Brooklyn and edited by Chris Gellis and Emma Donoher. Our logo was designed by Cicero de Guzman and illustrated by Richard Verges. Special thanks to Mark Sussman, Jessica Suarez, Michael Vescio and Betsy Lerner. <laughs>